0: Let's open the word of God this morning to 2nd Kings chapter 2. 2nd Kings chapter 2, we'll read the first 15 verses, and we'll skip down to verses 23, 24, and 25. Verses 23 and 24 are the text for this morning. 2nd Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? and he said yea I know it, hold ye your peace and Elijah said unto him, Elisha tarry here I pray thee for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho and he said as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth I will not leave thee so they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today and he answered yea I know it hold ye your peace and Elijah said unto him Terry I pray thee here for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan and he said as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth I will not leave thee and they two went on and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off and they too stood by Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, skip down to verse 23. And he, that is Elisha, went up from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head! Go up, thou bald head! And he turned back and uh, looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood, and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. At that point we read the holy and inspired word of God. Our text this morning is verses 23 and 24. And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord and there came forth two she bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Beloved of God most if not all baptism sermons can be filed under three categories. The first category would be baptism sermons that explain the meaning of baptism, especially as connected to the truth of God's covenant and the promises of his covenant. The second category would be baptism sermons that call for the positive life of the parents in raising their children in the fear of the Lord, and even the positive Life of the children called to honor the instruction that they are given. And then the third category is baptism sermons that give a warning for failing to carry out our calling before the face of God as parents, children, and covenant community. I try to keep a healthy balance of all three kinds of baptism sermons. In my own preaching, in our text for this morning, as you can tell from the reading of it, would count for the third category, a more negative category to be sure in some ways, but important for the church to hear sermons from this category too, as well as the first two categories. In fact, it's really the calling that the canons of Dort place upon us as preachers. Head 5, Article 14, we read this, And as it hath pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to begin this work of grace in us, so he preserves, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of his word, by meditation thereon, and by the exhortations, threatenings, and promises thereof. That's really all three of those categories, isn't it? Promises thereof would be the Promises of baptism and of God's covenant. The exhortations would be the positive calling and the threatenings would be the warnings for failure to heed our calling in God's covenant. The text this morning then is a warning for consequences of unfaithfulness in handling the covenant children. It's not, of course, as though God's covenant and his own keeping of his covenant is grounded upon our faithfulness, our parenting or faithfulness as the church. It's not that our faithfulness is the bond or the pipeline through which these blessings of the covenant come to us, but it's along the way of that faithfulness that God keeps his church spiritually safe in the line of generations. And when parents and grandparents in covenant community are not given to be faithful. It's a sign that God is giving these generations over to apostasy and to ruin. That's why it's important then, that sometimes we be warned of judgments of God when that calling is not carried out faithfully in the life of the church. God uses the warnings too, and the explication of the consequences to preserve his people, to spur them to be faithful. The warning this morning comes out of an occasion in the history of Israel where there is a transition from Elijah as the great prophetic voice to Elisha as the great prophetic voice among the people of God. Elijah has just been taken up to heaven by a whirlwind, but though Elijah has been taken away, God has not been taken away. God will go with Elisha and Elisha will be the great and main mouthpiece of God to Israel. Elisha has parted the waters of the Jordan just like Elijah had a sign that God is with Elisha the mantle has fallen upon Elisha God is there present in his church and he is speaking through Elisha and now this prophet the great voice of God amongst his people is on his way past Bethel to Carmel and a fairly sizable group of youth come out to mock him. A display of the effect of apostasy in Israel's generations. Let's look at that this morning under the theme the mocking children of Bethel. The mocking children of Bethel. Notice first the mockery itself. Second, the reason for it. And third, the result of it. The mocking children of Bethel. The mockery, the reason, and the result. It's important that we understand that this text cannot and may not be explained away as the work of a prophet who's kind of a grump, who must have got out of bed on the wrong side that morning, and who can't take a little joke or a little ribbing and so out of his grumpy nature he vindictively unleashes some bears upon some innocent children who's just having a little bit of harmless fun. Not at all. These were youth who knew what what they were doing and at least 42 of them were hardened to the point of no return in their hatred of God and hatred of his prophetic word. You can see that, first of all, when you know that though the translation here has the words little children, they're not as little as you might think. These are not seven-year-olds to whom the text is referring They are teenagers, somewhere between 13 and 16 years old. This word, Hebrew word for children, is used throughout the Old Testament to refer to a broad range of ages, anywhere from 2 to 30 years old. And with the addition of that word youth, or you could translate it uh, younger, littler, children indicates something on the line of teenage years, so that you could Translate it, there came forth youth out of the city to mock Elisha. And if you think about it, that's confirmed by the fact that these youth are doing this all on their own. And they're kind of running around as a a group of over 42 of them. You don't find little seven-year-olds in groups of that many people just running around doing their own thing. Seven-year-olds would have been held close to their parents. But this is a a group of young people that has a kind of freedom and a free range, and they go outside the city to do this together. These are teenagers. They know what they're doing. Second, you can see that these youth are committing a knowledgeable, purposeful, and hard-hearted sin. And that this isn't just a, a prophet who woke up on the wrong side of the bed by observing that these youth deliberately come outside of the city to do this one thing, just to mock Elisha. Verse 23, And he, Elisha, went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth youth out of the city. It's not the case then that Elisha had turned to go into the city of Bethel and was walking down the main road of Bethel and maybe happened to pass this group of youth who was there and so they took the occasion but rather he was he was walking past the city every indication is that he did not intend to go into the city of Bethel at all he was walking past it to go to Mount Carmel and these youth apparently hearing that he was out there they they together go outside the walls of the city with the sole purpose of mocking Elisha. They knew who Elisha was and they went out deliberately, premeditatively, to mock him. They knew what Elisha represented, or better, whom he represented, and knowing this, they deliberately went forth mock him. And then third, that these are youth who know what they're doing and are hardened in their sin can be seen from the content of their mockery. Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. What is this baldness that they are referring to? There's really Two options. Either this was a natural baldness that Elisha had, or something else. It's possible that Elisha was naturally bald. There are some who go bald younger. Elisha was a younger man. He wasn't that old at this point when Elijah anointed Elisha to be his successor. Elisha was working on his father's farm as a young man yet and so he's not that old of a man so you wouldn't necessarily expect him to be bald but it's possible. Some do go bald younger and maybe these youth are merely mocking him for the fact that he's a, a younger man who's already gone bald. But I don't think that's what's happening here. The other option Is that prophets of God had a certain kind of haircut that made them shave certain points on their head so that they were recognizable as prophets of Jehovah God and that these youth are mocking Elisha therefore as a prophet of God go up you bald head you prophet one who has that haircut we know you're a prophet of God and we're mocking you for being a prophet of God I think that's the more likely in part because it matches the first part of their mockery, the go up part the verb go up in the text is the same verb that's used to describe Elijah going up in the whirlwind in verse 11 we know from verse 17 that it's been at least three days since Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. And probably even more than three days, probably four or five days. Plenty of time for word to spread around what had happened with Elijah going up in a whirlwind and with the mantle falling upon Elisha so that it was known by all that Elisha was carrying on the ministry of Elijah. Elijah. And that he was going to be the anointed voice of God amongst the people. add to that, that, you can see from 2 Kings 2 that there were 50 sons of the prophets who watched when Elijah was taken up and when the mantle fell upon Elisha. And verse 3 tells us that some of those sons of the prophets are from Bethel. It's very clear that these youth knew what had happened with Elijah and Elisha. They knew who Elisha was and what his calling was. And whether they believed what they had heard about Elijah going up in the whirlwind. They knew Elijah did and others did. And they knew that Elisha was going to preach the same thing Elijah was going to preach. And they wanted nothing to do with it. And they wanted nothing to do with him. Go up, you bald head. Go up, you, you old prophet. You mourn the old prophet Elijah. Well, we're glad he's gone. You want to follow in the footsteps of the old prophet Elijah? Well, how about this? Why don't you follow him right up out of here? Why don't you you go up to heaven? Get out of here with him. We don't want you around here. Israel doesn't want you. Bethel doesn't want you. Go away. We don't need another Elijah. We like the prophets of Baal that are floating around here. And they're priests. What these youth should have been doing, of course, they should have been coming out the city to say to Elisha why are you walking by our city why are you passing beyond our city turn around come back in and teach us bring us the word of Jehovah God you are God's messenger then speak to us we need the word of Jehovah God we will sit at your feet but instead they deliberately come out to express their hatred of him a faithful prophet of Jehovah God in their hatred of the God that Elisha represented and they do it with such hardness of heart with mockery verse 23 and they mocked him mockery is belittling it is tearing down it's an expression of bitterness of hatred of deliberate intentions to, to cut at and to destroy That they employ mockery in their communication to Elisha. Their displeasure with him shows the hardness of their heart. And then you add to that, they didn't just say it once and run away like children and youth might do when they're messing around or one of their buddies dares them to do something. And so they all go as a group and get close and, and one of them says something and they all turn and run away laughing. They keep repeating it. They keep repeating it to Elisha's face. This is their conviction. They want Elisha to know it. Go up, get out of here, you bald head, you prophet. Go up, you prophet. You bald head, get out of here. And they say it even when Elisha gives them an opportunity to stop to turn from it. Notice in the text that Elisha turned back and looked at them. Sometimes when children or youth do something and a parent or authority turns and gives them one of those looks, excuse me, and they immediately stop and Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not these. He turned and looked at them and you can be sure he gave them a look of reprimand. And they keep going. They don't blush. They say it to his face. They were hardened in their resolve to mock him. And Elisha, knowing the hardness that is there, calls down the curse of God himself. Upon the group for mocking Elisha with that hardness of heart, at least hardness of heart that was in 42 out of them. God took offense, they were mocking God, whom Elisha represents. That was the seriousness of the sin. This wasn't just about Elisha as a person. It's not as though he had done something that was offensive. This is about all that Elisha represented in his office and who God was that Elisha was representing. That's obvious. It's obvious from 2 Kings 2 because Elisha hasn't done anything yet in his office. He's just been put into office. He hasn't preached a single sermon yet. All he's done to this point was slap the Jordan River and cross over it and heal the waters of Jericho. And yet they hate him so and they mock him so. It's God that they hated. The God of Elijah. They heard Elijah preach. They knew the message that Elijah brought. The God of their fathers that they hated. The God of the covenant. They didn't want him. They didn't want his ways. They didn't want his... Speaking about their sins, their idolatries, their worship of Baal. We don't want to hear the commands of God. We don't want to hear of the the love of God even. A love that's combined with holiness. And they express it. Young people, have you ever been guilty of this? Taking lightly the holy things of God. Maybe even mocking them outright with your words. Why do we have to go to catechism, all this, all this stuff, and learn and memorize all of this? It's just a bunch of old teachings. Why? Right? Or in your heart. Or maybe not even overtly mocking it, but just not taking it seriously, which is a kind of mockery of it, isn't it? Belittling it in your own mind or heart, or with your words. What's the point of all of this? This isn't fun, this isn't exciting. Who wants to, to deal with all of this old religion? Give us something more exciting. It's a bald head, ultimately you understand. Elisha represented the old faith, the faith of the fathers of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and David. Have you ever joined the youth? These youth? And calling the faith of your fathers a, a bald head? Go up, you bald head. Get out of here. It's time for something new. We want to be loosed. From 2,000 years of of church history. It's time for something more exciting. Be careful. Are you not saying to God Himself, go on up and get out of here you old God. We'll accept you when you come back with something more exciting and entertaining. What about God's office bearers? You ever showed Disrespect to God's office bearers. Remember what Jesus said. They'll mock you. If they intend to mock me. He so closely identifies himself. With faithful office bearers. You mock the holy things. You mock the God of those holy things. What about us as adults? Do we sometimes dismiss This kind of attitude in the youth, oh, they're teenagers. Teenagers will be teenagers. What are you going to do? God takes it pretty seriously. Two she bears seriously in this text. And though all of these youth were not hardened to the point of no return, as we will see in a moment, it was a serious sin in all of them. I'm sure some of them wouldn't have done it if there weren't some bold ones who were taking the lead. It's a kind of peer pressure, to be sure, in a group of over 42 teenagers. And there's peer pressure that comes upon you, young people, too, isn't there? It can be a powerful thing. If you haven't experienced it yet, you certainly will. And a kind of of mockery of the things of God where it makes you uncomfortable. And do I join in with this or do I not? You go to what church? You you take the Bible that seriously, really? That seriously? You devote the whole day of Sunday to the things of God? What kind of religious freak are you? you? You don't even have an electric guitar in your church. You're a virgin? Really, you're a virgin still? You still think that homosexuality is a sin? You, you take this book seriously? Go up, you, you bald head. Get on out of here. Beware of the pressure, young people. And yet, beloved, there's more to this story than what is going on on the surface. And the rest of the story is really contained in just one word of the text. The word Bethel. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. And when you know that these youth are coming out of this town of Bethel, that opens up a whole backstory of explanation and opens up a lot of instruction for us too. Bethel, of course, means house of God. It got its name from Jacob. It was the place where Jacob stopped for the night when he was fleeing from Esau on his way to Padanaram, And he had that dream of the ladder and the angels going up and down. And he woke up and said, this is the house of God. And he named the place the house of God. Bethel, house of God. But those days were long ago. Bethel, that once was the house of God, has now become the house of of evil. There has been apostasy in Bethel, a falling away over the years in